Hey everybody, Doug here from Nostalgia Marcanum. Before we get into this week's episode on Queen, got a couple of announcements. Number one, uh, just yesterday I was live on an episode of KenCast with our buddy Ken Cole, who you heard on previous episodes, including but not limited to Superman the Movie, Karate Kid, and Terminator 2, and coming soon next month for Spooky Month. So uh, that's the next thing I wanted to mention. We have our uh, our lineup beginning for Halloween, which includes uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, followed by Resident Evil 4 with Ken, uh, and then Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Looking forward to sharing all of those with you guys. So uh, please go check out that stuff. Uh, and uh, for now, let's get rocking. Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... of rock and roll royalty there are few bands that come close to talking about to or can approach the talent and the discography of our subject today queen uh they are a band of course you've heard of but i think this has been a pleasure to research because of getting to do a deep dive into their back catalog and so i'm hoping that some of the songs you hear about today are not just going to be the hits that you know, although, of course, I'm sure there will be many of them to talk about, but it's a good chance to explore a band that just unfortunately did not have enough time in the sun, uh, sadly, uh, but with the powerhouse vocals of the once-in-a-galaxy talent of Freddie Mercury, there are just there's just no other band quite like them. So I'm really excited to dig into Queen today, and to help me do it, I have two little silhouettes of a man. For our first guest, they are the host of Screen Snark, Reignite, and Fun and Games, uh, all three of which are podcasts that are absolutely worth your time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, Matt Storm, a.k.a. Matt Stormageddon. 
Hi, I'm so happy to be back. I really love the show and uh, been an avid listener since my time on here, and I'm excited to get to gab with you again. Well, I, likewise, man. It's so good to have you back, and I'm so glad you picked this because, uh, man, it's Queen, and they fucking rule. Uh, and, of true. course, uh, let me introduce our other guest who is a perform member, performing member of Lost Moon Radio, a, uh, a Los Angeles-based comedy troupe that is incredible. They just put on... Uh, yet another show recently a few weeks ago that uh, I unfortunately did not get to see, but uh, it is a uh, sort of an adjunct to this because it features their character, Roger Wodehouse, who's like a glam rock icon. Uh, so I know he is well steeped in this material. Uh, he's been on the podcast twice before to talk about grunge and the Beatles. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Dylan Riss. Thank you for having me. So, guys, uh, we're doing the same format we did for some of these other musical episodes where we're giving our, our top ten lists. And so uh, before we get into our top ten Queen songs, I'm going to ask both of you what criterion you used to make your list. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with you. So my criteria was really simple. I, I get I get my hackles up when it's just like, these are the best songs ever made. Because, first of all, it's so subjective. But also, uh, I will get this out in the open now. I think you and I have talked about this before, Doug. But, like... I don't love every, like, band that you're supposed to love. Like, um, Led Zeppelin, not a fan. I've not been a fan. Like, obviously, they're talented, and, you know, I respect their music and all of that. But I'm, like, my tastes in music can be hyper-specific, and I don't always enjoy everything by every band. Queen is the exception. There is not a bad Queen song, and more importantly, there is not a Queen song I don't enjoy. But my criteria were just my top ten songs, the songs I love the most. Um Within those songs are for sure songs that exude talent and incredible uh, marks in their discography. But I'll tell you right now, all of the, like the, the, the five songs that everyone knows, a few of them are here, but they're all not. So they get honorable mentions. But like for me, I could shout out those songs that everyone knows. But what's the point that people know those songs? I want to bring up stuff from their catalog that are still hits, singles, but like that were not as well known that also showcase what an incredible band they are. So I, I kind of brought it from a more personalized angle than they just the best songs ever made or the most skillful songs or things like that. And how did you get started listening to Queen? Where, where did you, was it something you picked up when you were uh, you know a teenager or where, where did it start for you? So uh, it actually started when I was a kid. Um, so I've been listening to music since I could reach a tape deck. So uh, for the, the youngins in the audience, we had these things called cassettes. And even before that, we had these things called vinyl. Well, actually, they know what vinyl records are because they're hip again. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, all waiting on my, a, we're all waiting on eight tracks to come back. To come back, right? Yeah. Or reel to reel, which is actually relevant to my story. Um, growing up, my dad listened to a lot of music. Um, it's where I got my knack for listening to music like a hobby. Um, I can listen to music passively, but for the most part, music is an active listening thing. Like, I sit at my computer, like, focusing on the music, hearing the different parts of the song, really taking in um, all of the sound. And so I used to lay on the floor and just listen to music while playing with action figures or tooling around. And my dad would do that, too. And one day on his reel-to-reel, he was playing a song by Queen, um, Another One Bites the Dust. And I was listening to it, and I was like, what? is this there are spaceship sounds lasers this sounds like something out of one of my cartoons this is so cool and so um that was one of like that was my earliest moment with queen and after experiencing that i asked my dad about them and so he gave me a C uh, cassette and i started listening to them all the time and i've pretty much been a fan 
since that moment. And I must, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you the timeline, but my guess is I was somewhere around four or five. Like I must have been really, really young because I, I really remember like listening to them my entire life. Dylan, how about you? Where did you get started with Queen? Well, my earliest memory is um, We Will Rock You being the anthem of the Showtime Lakers uh, in the in the 80s, which I was not specifically a Laker fan. I'm not from L.A., but um, but um, yeah, I just I remember I, that's that's my earliest memory of Queen. Um, and uh, it probably didn't you know, I didn't even know that was her song until then. And. You know, I think like probably a lot of people, the next one I would have known is We Are the Champions, you know. So um, those were just in the zeitgeist beyond rock fans, just a lot of sports anthems, uh, which uh, it's interesting because I don't know if any of them cared about sports, but who knows? They liked arena rock, so I guess they must have liked things that happen in arenas. <laughs> yes. Um, how about your list? What criterion did you use to make it? Um, you know, maybe mine's a little different from Matt's in the sense that, that, um, you know, they're the ones I personally like, but I also was just really thinking about Queen as, as a band that consistently was just different from everybody else out there. And, um, both before them and since, I mean, you can hear influences, but they really were just one of a kind. And so some, I think, you know, for me, some of what made one song make my top 10 over another might have been that what I perceived as like the importance and just the overall, you know, canon of music coming out in the 70s and 80s. I think that's a good way to approach it. There's no wrong way, obviously. We're all going to do this differently. Um, for me, I I'm real basic. My introduction to Queen was like most of my cohort via the bohemian rhapsody scene in wayne's world sure. and I, I just remember seeing that and you know i was super i was already super into the characters from watching snl i would have been i think 12 when that movie came out and not even aware that like freddie mercury had just died like months before that movie uh so i had no idea who they were i didn't know who he was but i knew that these characters i these headbanging characters i was already enjoying were really into this song and it was so epic and you know, having already kind of grown up on a diet of like the Beatles, hearing the, like another like multi-part song like A Day in the Life might be where it's like, oh, there's different movements to this song and there's different entire musical genres happening here. And it was so complicated and then just so awesome on top of that. I was like, I have to know more about this. And I ended up getting really into classic rock in high school. And so... You know, they they weren't like my, my mate, like my band that was like the the arrow to my heart was the Who. That was the band I was really into back then. But you couldn't help but like leapfrog over to Zeppelin and you know Pink Floyd or, or or Queen. And so I ended up knowing a lot about the the kind of the big hits that everyone knows. And it took kind of a while for me to kind of circle around back to them in adulthood and kind of go like, I need to listen to more of them, not just the like whatever is on the greatest hits package. I got to know more about this band. And I, I kind of fell in love with them all over again, just getting bowled over and over and finding myself gravitating towards bands that would not necessarily mimic Queen, but would, you know, you could see the strong influence. Some, a band like Muse, for example, like the first time I heard, uh, what's that, uh, Knights of Sidonia, and it was like, oh, these guys are Queen fans. There's no doubt. Uh, and just cemented for me, like, yeah, these guys earned their place on, you know, the Rush, Mount Rushmore of rock and roll. So. 
So with that, maybe we should just get right into it. Um, so Matt, I'll ask you, what is your number 10 Queen song? So I will say, just to further caveat, um, I was editing this list up until like an hour ago. Um, it was really hard to narrow down. Uh, they are in order of my 10 to 1. Um, but really on any day, any of these songs could kind of be my favorite Queen song. Um when do you want to do honorable mentions? We'll do those at the end. I figure I'll do those just before we announce our number one. Perfect. Um, so my number 10 is a song called I Want It All. I love, like, I think it's safe to say most people love Queen for their theatricality, right? That was the interesting thing about them when they first started, especially, you know, the aforementioned Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, it was this kind of play, almost. It wasn't just a song. It was an opera. Um, and I Want It All is one of their later songs, but one of those songs that, like, it's just really powerful. And there was something about f the power of Freddie Mercury, especially as a singer, how he could hold your attention. And this song is just heavy. It's all drums, pretty much. Like, it's just one of those impactful songs that kind of always um, revs me up. Um, you can listen to Queen for kind of any emotion. They kind of run the gamut. But this song is like, and, and my number 10 is like my one of my ultimate pop-up songs because it's just really one of those kinds of exciting and engaging songs that that uh is a favorite from their catalog yeah this one of my favorite memories of this song um because i discovered it a little later as well but this was back when game of thrones was popular and everyone was sort of doing their own versions of like the theme song or like the intro and someone had done this version of the intro to game of thrones as if it was like a uh, a late 80s sitcom and they used this instead of the theme song and it just sort of works. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like that's that stomping beat to this thing is like, it's probably second only to, we will rock you in terms of just like having this thumping percussive section. Yep. Any, any uh, thoughts on this? You want to move on to, uh, this is 10? the, yeah, this was this was not on my list, um, and uh, I, I certainly respect it. But I actually um, something I don't like about this song is I actually don't like the production on it. I, I huh. it to me, you know, it's written by Brian May. He he's 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 definitely got some new guitar sounds that I 
don't like <laughs> compared to like his classic uh iconic sound which is basically taking this famous british amplifier vox ac30 and turning it up to the max and uh also using something called a treble booster um and like that's all his sound was for for a lot of their stuff um and he's definitely using some more modern 80s effect on it and i don't like it but um but i don't dispute the uh importance of the song i you're right about that kind of 80s effect on it and there's sort of you can tell there's sort of two eras to their career that mm-hmm. you know and, and i think i assume both eras will be represented on this list but like there's there's definitely like that took me longer to get into there that more synthesized stuff that they started to use well into the 80s um but dylan what is your number 10 uh, my number 10 is uh, Bicycle Race. You say black, I say white, you say bar, I say bite, you say shark, I say him and George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. You say Rose, I say Royce, you say God, give me a choice. You say Lord, I say Christ, I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein, or Superman. And, um, good one. You know, a lot of people love that song. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that for me, uh, big reasons on my list, um, it's maybe not my favorite in terms of just the one I would put right on, but I love the ambition. Um, I love that there are so much packed into a short song. There's really distinct sections. They, they just, you know, attempt a lot of things musically. They've just most rock bands just, either wouldn't bother with or wouldn't know how to do if they wanted to. And, um, and I really, yes, I, I just, I, I love how much is packed into a, um, very, you know, relatively short song. Um, and that also that these elements, you know, they, they, the seventies were such an era of, you know, what they would say progressive rock, which can sometimes mean self-indulgent rock where it's like, let's do an 18 minute song where we're just doing everything that we possibly want to. Um, and yeah, it's musically complex and ambitious, but it's also a little self-indulgent queen took some of the same prog rock, aesthetics and condense it down into this this neat little package and i think it really works yeah it's great it's a it's a really great one i i love the breakdown in the middle where it's just the bike bells like mm-hmm. it's just such a brilliant idea and such a modern idea i feel like a lot of bands weren't doing that kind of a thing again it was the theatricality right um and also the like the the way he sings this song it's very like give and take it's you know mm-hmm. that that getting the crowd involved you know like when he's singing about jaws and peter pan it's like it's just very it's very give and go and i love that it's very call and response is the actual word i was looking for yeah there's little shout outs like there's cultural references and also after the bike bells they're definitely doing like their version of like the lone ranger theme you know where where that, that guitar line 
you have that. You also have the fact that this song talks to fat bottom girls and yep. Yep. that song talks back to this one that, that would, I guess yeah. it would, would have been on opposite sides of the same piece of vinyl, which mm-hmm. obviously you wouldn't do today. Like that's an artifact of its time, uh, which is really cool. And it also does some of this like thing where it's, it speeds up and slows down the tempo. So at that point where they are singing about fat bottom girls, referencing the other song, it's at a much slower BPM. And then it goes on your mark, get set, go, and then jumps <laughs> off again. Um, you're right. There's an incredible amount of theatricality into this that is like, it does remind me of like the Beatles. Like I feel like between the end of the Beatles and this song and and this band, you don't get a lot of that. You have much more conventional stuff. So totally, yeah. uh, Matt. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Me. Um, yeah, my, yeah. my number 10 uh, is tie your mother down. good one classic which uh i i didn't know that, again this is a song i came to later the first time i actually heard it was not queen doing it it was some sort of tribute to queen i think it might have been when they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame or something but i remember um dave grohl of the foo fighters yeah. was doing the vocals and the lead on it and they crushed the song it was so good and i'm like well i gotta go hear the original now and it's always stuck with me of just like you know it they're so known for doing these like kind of operatic classical things, but when they want to just kind of do like a down and dirty rock song, like they, they can do it just as well as anybody else. Like, th- I mean, this is basically a ZZ top song done by queen. Yeah. It, it's really great. It's on my, um, my honorable mentions because it's one of the early songs that just like, it's a kick in the ass, you know? And I love those songs because they have a, quite a few of them. I have some in my um, in my honorable mentions that we'll get to later. But like, I love those songs that are just kind of kicking the pants. That just them kind of rocking out feels very much of the time, which is okay. And I think they did it as good as the other rockers who did those kinds of songs for sure. Um, uh, Matt, you're number nine. My number nine. So my number nine. So we're talking about the 80s before, and I get a sense that Dylan may be the 80s, not his favorite era. Um, But I do like a lot of cheesy 80s music. Um, I just, I don't know. I I mean, I grew up in that time, which is part of it. But also, like, how can you stay mad at a song like Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart? You know, those kinds of goofy, goofy songs of the time. And anyway, so my... uh, my number nine is right on the edge of the 80s, right towards the end, but it's one of their quirkier songs, and it's called The Invisible Man. I'm the invisible man. I'm the invisible, invisible, invisible man. Incredible how you can.
Um, and it's just like a synth-tastic video song. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I think I like it because it's just kind of goofy and fun. The lyrics are easy to learn. You know, and it's showing a different range of Freddie. Of course, this was towards the latter end of his life. And so his singing evolved because it was harder for him to sing, um, you know, especially when he got sicker. But, like, I just kind of love the attitude of this song. It is very 80s, though. Like, it is it is so much synth. But I kind of like that it's unironically and unapod- uh, unapologetically the genre of the time right they they morphed into that and it it, it, to me exemplifies the chameleons that we know they are by putting out something as kind of ridiculous and over the top as this song is i'm really glad you picked this Uh, i was kind of hoping somebody would uh i don't have it on my list but i uh, once again discovered this song later actually in connection with my old podcast um so uh, i used to do a show called the podcast but evil which was about a different villain uh, every episode and we did an episode on the invisible the hg wells character the invisible man and we used the track for the episode which is how i found it and i was like oh this is so you're right it's so unlike most queen stuff it is extremely like 80s and synthy uh, and it has this sort of like slinky groove to it it's uh it's it's a weird interesting song um well, I can say actually I do like '80s music, um, but it has to be the I, I I actually like a lot of like synth-driven '80s music, but um, yeah, my my specific objection to I want all is actually the guitar. I just think it's I think it, it's the distortion <laughs> pedal I don't like. Fair I, enough. I think it, it's it's too shreddery. Basically, um, yeah. uh, sounds like uh, you know uh, what's CC Deville from Poison or one of those people. Anyway, <laughs> um, the. Um, but yeah, I, I liked I like a lot of the Queen synth stuff. A lot of that was Roger Taylor. I'm pretty sure he wrote sure. this, and yeah. and uh, he really got in. You know, he he really dug into that, and and um, um. So yeah, that's cool that it's on your list. It wasn't on mine, but I think it's cool that you have it. Uh, what is on your list, Dylan? That's number nine. Yes. So my number nine was um, "Don't Stop Me Now." Don't stop me now. Um, probably is maybe on some of other people's list. We'll see, but um, yeah, I think it's you know um, it's gotten bigger. I feel like recently, I feel maybe I don't know. Was it in a commercial or a movie or something? It's been in at least two movie scenes I can think of. Uh, One of which it's in a a very memorable scene from Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which kind of that was its more recent like big resurgence, and then my kids love it. Uh, because it was in the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, well, did not see that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so uh, my my kids both like it. That's, you know, 
I've talked about this before. It's hard to get them into stuff yet. They're a little young to like try and get them like, see, this is a cool band you should like. But if it's in a movie they've seen, they're on board. So yeah, yeah. They, the, the kids like don't stop me now. Cool. Well, yeah, I think it's a it's a great song. I like uh, the, the musical composition of it is interesting because um, a lot of rock music, you know, it's four four time, um, mm-hmm. and then it's four measures of four four is like a phrase. Uh, this song uses five measures of four four. It's not. I wouldn't call it that. You know, we were talking earlier about prog rock or something. It's. I would not call it prog rock, but it's just something that's a little bit different and not not hemmed in by, you know what would typically uh be the case um and uh yeah and it's the the chord progression is is cool it's just a great balance of being something that's a little bit different but very accessible and still very catchy um you know i think lyric wise brian may has talked about how this song really gave him mixed feelings because it was freddie describing himself being sort of a freewheeling party guy. Um, yeah. And uh, Brian thinks it's described superior when Freddie got AIDS um, and uh, doesn't, um, he did, didn't want to play it for a long time. Um, Cause he just, it, you know, with, with the retooled band with um, I guess first Paul Rogers and then, you know, Adam Lambert for a while and, and now they play it. Um, but uh, you know, it, 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 it was hard, I think after Freddie had died. So, um, but uh, you know, it's 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 a joyous anthem, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely that was where it landed on my list. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's another really good one. Like the the escalation of the song, and like that that intro is like iconic. You know, the the rise as he kind of kicks in, and then the song kicks into gear. Like I love that slow start into a high gear. They do that a bunch in songs, and it's just mm-hmm. you're off to the races, right? It's one of those songs that you're just rocking. It's really you're right. Joyous is a great way to describe it yeah and it's fast too i've tried to do this in karaoke a couple of times thinking like i can do this and it's like i can't catch my breath it's so mm-hmm. fast i don't know where to like stop and pause to get and i don't know how he does it uh yeah. all right uh my number nine so i i wanted to represent this album um more on my list but i just couldn't shove as many songs as i wanted to on there um but Lately, I've been really into uh, A Kind of Magic, which is the album that has all of their songs from uh, the Highlander movie on there. Um, So I I ended up only picking one of these, unfortunately. There's a lot of amazing songs, but I did sort of pick one as a representative. So I went with Princes of the Universe.
Good one. Such a... It's so funny, because, like, they've done two movie anthems, right? And you look at that versus Flash. Like, Flash is a great song, but it's mostly a movie commercial, right? It's got quotes Mm -hmm. from the movie. It doesn't have a ton of lyrics, right? Whereas um, uh, Prince of the Universe is just... It's epic. Like, you're talking about, like, classic Brian May guitar, right? Like, no distortion, just heavy thumps, hard chords, like... It, it 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 rings in my head when you bring it up. Yeah, the, the song, to be blunt, fucks like it's so. <laughs> it's it, I mean, he it just stomps so hard, and it you can feel like you know, fuck man, give give Freddie the sword. He's he's the Highlander. Let him cut somebody else's head off. Like it just sounds like he like they're there to conquer the universe. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, another one from their hard rock in. Um mid 80s uh it's interesting that those are making the list so far yeah i'm I'm sure we'll have the other stuff too don't worry um all right uh matt your number eight so my number eight is actually all it's for a lot of reasons but one it's one of my favorite music videos they've ever done a lot of their music videos especially in the early days were live performances but this was one of the more concept-based ones they're all were playing characters and it's of course i'm talking about i want to break free Free, you know, is from a time in Freddie's life when he felt trapped, right? He's, he, a lot of his songs from that era is him through the ups and downs that he's been going through. But there's something just so relatable about this song, about it's, it's so purposeful, right? It, 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 it is a rock song, but it takes its time. And then, like, the, the cross-dressing in the video is fun, and he's flirty with it. And it's, it's funny, too, because, like... You know, he got a lot of heat for a lot of different things. And, like, the cross-dressing in this was one of them. Like, he's corrupting the youth. And, like, that wasn't even his idea. I think it was either Brian or Roger's idea to cross. Like, it would be fun for them all to, like, play these characters and cross-dress or whatever. But, like, it's just such a classic version of Freddy that I remember. Besides the young, long-haired, rocky, rockin' Freddy was the kind of cross-dressing, flirty, fun Freddy. Uh, And that's absolutely this. And it's just – it's – one of the slower songs that really kind of just takes its time, showcases his vocals. He gets to do a little bit of his freestyling in it, which he's done in tons of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's my number eight. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great song. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I think it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, who else could perform it but Freddie Mercury? Except, you know, there is one factor. He didn't write it. John Deacon wrote it. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes – and there, there's some other ones also, at least on my list, where it's sort of – you would think it might be by one of them 
but it's by a different one actually just um the uh the highlander theme you know that that's that you might think that's a brian may song freddie wrote that song you yeah know? so so um it's so, wild yeah so it's interesting the way that they can do their different uh right for each other in a sense yeah i i love this one as well and i one thing i love about it is like lyrically it's oddly um this is going to sound like criticism, but it's not. It's oddly simplistic. Like it's fairly, right. sh- it's very straightforward, in a way that I think makes it work better. Like it, it, there's something very simple about just saying I want to break free. That you know it doesn't need to be said more complicated than that. Um, they are capable of writing these like lyrically dense, weird things. I mean, see, bicycle race, yeah. but um, but here there's just something so just like sincere about the song that it just it just really hits that much harder yep all right uh, dylan your number eight well mine was tie your mother down we've already spoken about it so i won't say much more other than to say i just love that it's an anthem it's just sort of a repeated line that you can sort of chant along and and i just think they you know they didn't necessarily have a ton of songs that were that exact thing i mean we will rocky would be the most famous of them but th- but this you know it's just something you can just like headbang along and sing along to and it and it's and it's great. So that's all I'll add. All right. Uh, then I'll jump ahead to my number eight, which is uh, yet another one I came to much later in life. In fact, this is one I really only got into very recently within, say, the last like couple of months um, because I just never – I had seen it on lists of Queen songs and I sort of felt like, uh, that song sounds dumb uh, just based on the title. And so I never really listened to it until recently I was like, oh, shit, this is great. Uh, and that's Radio Gaga. Because, like, I would hear, like, with, like back in the days when you get these, like, commercials for compilations of, like, you're the hits of Queen. They're all here. And they'd list them off and they would go, Radio Gaga. And you would just hear the snippet, like, the shortest snippet of the song of him just singing Radio Gaga. And I'm like, this just sounds dumb. I don't know why this is a hit. Uh, because in isolation, yeah, that's very silly and weird. Uh, but the entire song is much more about like it kind of is of a piece with like video killed the radio star with this kind yeah. of idea of like our media is, you know, not totally to be trusted. And it's a little soulless, which is, I think, what I what I take away from that song. Yeah, it's a, it's an all time favorite for me. It's my go to karaoke queen track because every because everyone sings Bohemian Rhapsody, right? That's a group song. No matter who picks it, everyone's singing that. Right. But like. Um, this song for me 
it, he doesn't do a lot of his signature like long notes and like high notes. So I can actually hit some of these notes. It's more kind of spoken a lot of it. And so, yeah, it, it's become my go-to karaoke track. And like you said, Doug, like even if folks don't really know that song well, they know the chorus. And the chorus is simple. And so you can get the room singing with you. So, yeah, it's a, a really great one. Um, I love this song. Speaking of eighty synth sounds, and, and it's yeah. actually it's it's on my list, and it's significantly higher. So I'll just mean too. Pre- yes, Ooh, interesting. Um, so I love it. Uh, this is again. It's written by Roger Taylor. He's he was sort of their synth experimentalist. The lyrics he says are a reference to something his like toddler son was saying was Radio <laughs> Gaga, and he sort of based it around it. I do not think that Roger Taylor is the best lyricist in Queen by any means, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but but I, I, I think this is an unbelievably catchy song, and, and it, it's very emotive in, in a way, um, and, uh, and radio is such a cool thing. Um, and I hope it will endure even as the internet eats into it. But you know what? Radio survived TV. I think it can survive the internet too. So, All right. Uh, Matt, your number seven. So my number seven is actually a song I came to later on. Um, a song that's been on every list, like we were talking about with Radio Gaga, but one that I never really listened to a lot and I've really gotten into, and it's Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Um, this is another one of their very performative pieces. It's very theatrical. Uh, uh, gives me a lot of vibe of Killer Queen, of course, also, which is very performative, um, kind of narrative. Uh, and I just, I love the way he sings the, the chorus, the hook. Like, it just, it's, it's, it's angelic almost, right? The way he carries those notes. And yeah, this is one that I just, I, I might not have been on my list years ago, but especially recently because as I've been listening to them more um, because I watched a thing that shall not be named, you know, strike, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. that got me listening, re-listening to Queen again after it had been a, a, a little while. And this was one of the songs that like listening to their platinum hits, I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Like, I love this track. And so it's quickly become a favorite. It reminds me a lot of uh, Martha, my dear from the Beatles white album. I think sure. it's the same genre of song that that is. Uh, and it, it's one of the things that this band, again, can do that they must have been. There's no way they weren't influenced by the Beatles because everyone was. But this song specifically, it's got that like old English parlor tune kind of thing. It's got this kind yeah. of, um, I don't know if it's syncopated is the right word, but the way that it's got that kind of jumpy piano to it. Jaunty uh, is probably jaunty. Kind of the word that, you're looking for. Yeah. yeah, it is jaunty and yeah, theatrical. Uh, again, like some of their best stuff. And it's just it, th- because they can be these chameleons and go into these really different modes. Like you, it's, it's just kind of just, Oh, great. They're, they're giving me a very different flavor from the usual queen song. 
Yeah, it, it reminds me of cabaret music. Um, yeah, and um, totally. and that was something that Freddie was interested in. You know, toward the end of his life and career. I mean, even as he continued in Queen, he a lot of his outside projects were more in this vein, as opposed to you know doing rock songs with a different group. So, all right, yeah. uh, Dylan, you're number seven. Yeah, um, my number seven is Somebody to Love. is a classic it's just a great song um that you know i think is certainly one of their best known and um i just i like everything about it there's just there's just so many i i I love the different sections you got you know the acapella at at the beginning and then also uh toward the end of the song um you've got just a great um some call and response in the verses, a very memorable chorus hook, a great guitar solo, a great, um, everything about this song is great. Honestly, just cause I've heard it so many times and honestly, I played it so many times in bands that I just, you know, it's, it, it might not be quite as thrilling for me as it once was, but that doesn't take anything away from the, uh, greatness of the composition. So. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mention this up top, but Dylan is part of a, a band called The Moon Units, which does, among other things, live band karaoke. And I know this is on the set list. Oh yes, this is. Uh, yeah, this one. Spoiler alert is higher on my list, but uh, yeah, I also, of course, like one of the few Queen songs to ever be absolutely rocked by someone besides Queen. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the incredible Anne Hathaway version of this song. Um, it's, I think at this point, especially amongst, uh, teens and tweens of a certain era, like as famous as the original version, right? Cause it's mostly true to the original song. It's just Anne Hathaway's incredible voice. And, uh, yeah, I, it's one, like, <laughs> I think one of the criteria I didn't mention earlier is how quick the song is to make me cry. That mm. also puts it pretty high on my list. And, uh, yeah, this is one that like, I can't sing without tearing up. It's just mm. such a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Uh, all right, uh, my number seven is uh, a classic. Uh, it is uh, has already been uh, mentioned, I think, once today, but that is another one bites the dust. Yeah. That groove is incredible. Like just that simple bass line gives you the entire song. 
and it's more disco-y than a lot of their stuff, but it's uniquely their own. Um, it doesn't feel like a disco song, even though it kind of has a disco beat to it. And then, like, the subject matter is so odd that it's, like, he's singing about basically gang warfare. It kind of goes up there with, like, Michael Jackson's Beat It as, like, artists that should not be singing about this subject. But, mm-hmm. like, it just works. Like, it just, that that groove, just, it just kind of attacks and, and never lets up. Yeah. And, like, again, the, the, the special effects, like, in the, mid, in the bridge, like, UFO sounds and just, just oddities, but they really work for this kind of narrative and very unique song in their catalog and has become another one of their most famous tracks because I think it stands out so much from everything else they've done. I should also, I would be remiss if I did not also mention it was the launch pad for Weird Al Yankovic's career. Yes. uh, Covering uh, (laughs) another one, Rides the Bus. Yeah. Yes. um, Personal hero of mine. Go back and listen to our Weird Al episode. Anyway. um, So, yeah, uh, there we go. Uh, So, Matt, we're up to your number six. So my number six is probably going to be, I think, I don't think anyone else is going to pick this one. And this is another one I came to later uh, because I was just kind of stunned by the artistry of it. It's Seven Seas of Rye. And it's mostly because of that incredible piano work. That piano intro, like, again, talking about theatricality, not just in the singing, but in the performance. It's it's just one of those songs that really struck me as it's almost shanty-like. Um, and I really love that. I think it's such an oddity in their catalog. It's really you know, stands out and is unique. And again, like the, 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 that rolling piano in the intro is just, it's stunning and uh, has quickly become a favorite because of just how unique and interesting it is. And I don't know if this is true. It's portrayed this way in the film, Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if this is in fact correct, but this was like their very first song as a band together or close to one of their first songs, which if true is kind of incredible that they sort of just appeared fully formed as queen. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, there's, there's two versions of it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that that was interesting. Again, again, I can only, I cannot vouch for the historical accuracy of that film, but that, again, that's the way I believe it's portrayed. Yeah. Uh, It is definitely, I think it's on their first album, so it's gotta be early on. There, there's a version on their first album and again on queen two. Um, I like, the queen two version better this is actually this is on my list matt um but i Amazing. yeah, th- yeah I, I, lo- I love this song um um 
and um, this is another example of something that that has definitely some real prog rock ideas, but it's it's really condensed into something short and not self indulgent. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's great that intro piano is so iconic. Great guitar playing too. It's funny because Freddie Mercury was always very critical of himself as a piano player. He thought he was bad, but he was. Um, but this this has great piano on it, and you know I think a lot of people love his piano playing, but he he thought he sucked. But anyway, um, it was yeah. I mean, maybe just being modest, but um, great great stuff, and um, I love this song. Really one of my favorites. Yeah, it's. I think the version that I'm most familiar with is the Queen Two version. I think that's the one that was remastered for the Platinum Hits collection. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it 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 really it's funny, right? Because you say he said he he didn't think he was a good piano player. He had confidence issues. Like he has now gone on to become, I would safely say, one of the greatest singers of our time, right? Oh, yeah. And yet he never. I I think he knew he was hot shit to a degree, but I don't. I think he like that still like he worried about that stuff. He was not always super confident about that stuff, and it's just so astonishing to us mere mortals to see like the incredible work he can do. Yep. Totally. Yeah, it's also interesting to go back to this era of their career and again sort of see like you. I was trying to think of like, are there any other bands that even sound a little like this from this time? To think that like you know you would expect bands that kind of come up together to be influenced by stuff that was fairly recent. And, you know, it would be more of a, you know, a gradual progression to something that sounds like Queen. But I can't think of anything from, like, the mid-70s that, you know, I don't know. Like, um, yes, yes, maybe? Yes is a good example. Mm, I think yeah. some that are more on the true, just much more in the, in, in the more prog side of things. So, yes, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Um, I mean, even, like, who's uh, Genesis, or, um, Genesis, this era sounds like this. Um, but, but... Uh, but you know, but again, I think what Queen was doing with this song is they're taking a song that Genesis would have turned made over twelve minutes, and it's like it's like a three minute song, you know. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. All right, Dylan, your number six. My number six is "Save Me." I I would put this in the category of like I'm saying it's like you you they could almost there was sort of a um, I don't know telepathy or something they, they they just could channel each other's feelings. This is written by Brian May, but it feels like such a Freddie you know torch anthem that's just like and he just really knew how to write for his bandmate and and what what Freddie could just just slay and and um you know there's there's definitely it's it's um it it has that same verse chorus relationship in a way that we are the champions does but he he just so it's channeling that but um but it's it's its own thing and there's just such you know power and you can you can just you can just see freddie 
on stage, you know, carrying that mic stand that's off of its base and, you know, throwing, you know, just, just throwing his fist up in the air, uh, singing that. And, and I, I just, I think it's, yeah, it's just a great anthem. And I just love how Brian captures Freddie's voice in this song. Yeah, totally. It's, it, it's another one of those impactful, powerful, like, like you said, anthemic songs, but like the heart is there too. I think the reason all of their anthemic songs work and it never gets tired is because there's heart in every one of these tracks, right? None of them feel superfluous like a Nickelback song just to pull someone out <laughs> that a lot of people don't like. And I actually don't mind Nickelback and was a fan for a long time, but like some of their songs felt very performative in a way that these feel theatrical, but still real, like from the heart, even if they are about fantastical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, we haven't even mentioned this yet. Uh, you talked about Brian May a few times. PhD astrophysicist Brian yes. May. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. quite a second act. Smart. He's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I- I'll go real quick for my number six because we've already done it, which is uh, I want it all. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. I don't have any more to add about that song except it rolls. Uh, and so I'll move on to uh, Matt. Your number five. So my number five is the song that we've been waiting to hear. It might be on, higher on other people's list. Um, I had uh, teased D- Doug that it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be at the top of my list because it's just, it's not the song that means the most to me, but it's Bohemian Rhapsody is my number five, right? I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the bandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. somewhere it was going to be in my top five and it was higher earlier and then i shifted it when i remembered other songs but like wayne's world is a seminal film for me i'll keep it at that um and this song i've loved since before and then then and i continue to i think the only reason it's probably not the top of my list is i've heard it a lot and i like it a lot but i don't at this point think it's their best i think it's I think it's one of the most brilliant and unique experiences in music and music creation, right? It's an opera, essentially. And like rock opera before rock opera was a common term. And like we talk about theatrical, this song is capital T theatrical and Mm -hmm. like narrative in a way that like there's a story, there's relationships, there's a character. Like it's just so over the top and like i mean what hasn't been said about the song like it's it's one of the most iconic tracks they have ever had because of the pop culture touchdowns and uh was of course going to be on my list yeah. i mean yeah you don't need us to tell you how much <laughs> this song kicks ass uh it, it, re- it really does and 
as you mentioned, it is theatrical in a way that it like has this multi-act structure that, you know, again, many bands have, have done songs like this. You've got A Day in the Life. You've got Stairway to Heaven, right? These longer songs with different movements in them. Uh, I'm always up for one of these when they are well done. And this is probably you know, among the best of that type of song. Um, but as a testament to how good it is, you mentioned its place because, you know, again, we all found it in Wayne's World. That scene in the Wayne's World movie, it's like 10 minutes into the movie or less. It's like barely after the the like, you know, credits. Uh, and you're talking about two characters that are these, you know, fan favorite SNL characters by two like of the fan favorite cast members at the time. You're waiting for the two of the funniest people you've ever seen to do funny shit. And this song is so good that they're like, no, we'll just watch these guys lip sync the last like half of the song and it, the song is so good you'll just be happy to sit there and watch them do that instead of tell jokes yeah like, that tells you how great the song is it's just like no, no no we'll just stop we'll just not literally pull the car over but let the car keep driving and let this happen all right i see dylan nodding i'm guessing this is on his list somewhere but i will hold oh, off. Yes. oh uh, yes all right uh, you're number five sir my number five is Seven Seas of Rye. So uh, we Hell just yeah. discussed it, but um, yeah, it really is. It's one of my favorites. I, I wouldn't call it a deep cut. It's on the greatest hits album, but it's it's um, but it's it's underappreciated. All right. Well, then we'll go from your underappreciated uh, number five to my number five, which is under pressure. I guess technically you could call it a David Bowie song or a Queen song, but once again, you've got this incredible groove to it. Um, I think, you know, I wish these guys had done more duets together because they work so well off of each other. And uh, it, I mean, it's just fun. Like even when like Freddie Mercury is just basically singing nonsense, it's great. Yeah. This one, this one's higher up on my list, but um, it's, I mean, this, again, would be arguably the other song I'd say that everyone knows, right? Like, it's just so... It's grown, I think, even bigger than Queen, right? Under Pressure is just a song that everyone knows. And, I mean, I'm a big Bowie fan, too. And the two of them together do such an incredible job. And another one of those songs that, like, is likely to make me cry. It's just so heartfelt and raw and sincere and, like, supportive, which is... It's just a lovely sentiment. To like, like it's about like getting through and like not caving to the world around you, and it's just such a wonderful message, and yeah, just a kick-ass rock song too. And it gave us the best rap song of 1991. Yeah, <laughs> yeah except that he, he he and his lawyers claim it's not this not a sample. Not we, the shouldn't, same. we shouldn't owe any money to them, um, <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, this is also on my list, but higher and. Um, um, so I won't 
say much more now other than um, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll say a little more in a second. But yeah. All right. Uh, so then, Matt, you're number four. My number four has been talked about before. It is Radio Gaga. Um, this is a song that might have been lower on my list again a few years ago, but as I kept listening to it, like it just has become a favorite because I think it's again, it's in that video killed the radio star kind of vein. It's just kind of contemplative and fun and simple to sing, and it becoming one of my go-to karaoke tracks also helped push it up the list. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, we already talked it to death, but I, I just really dig this ridiculous fun song. I was trying to find uh, if there was ever a time when Lady Gaga covered the song because I feel like she'd probably crush it. Like she's got a great voice; she could do this. Uh, yeah. And all I could find was someone had trained an AI to do that, uh, and it was like eh, it, it kind of gave you an idea that this might be cool, but obviously the real it's no substitute for the real thing. Sure. We watch the shows. We watch the star on the O's for hours and hours. We hardly need to use our ears. Our music changes through the years. Let's hope you'll never leave our friend. Like all good things on you we've declared. So stick around. All right, so uh, Dylan, you're number four. Uh, my number four, we are the champions. And bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my shelf and kicked in my bed. But I've come through. And You know, there's um, this talk about a song that is known by people who don't necessarily know Queen, you know, because it's played in sports stadiums and, um, you know, or just whatever commercials, who knows, any context. Um, But it really is a great song. The musical composition of it is great just in terms of like the tonal relationship between the verses and the choruses. There's some interesting, you know, key change choices um there brian may's lead guitar lines are great in this song um and there's just there's something about it that for me it's it's very anthemic but it's not cheesy it's it's just it it just feels uh incredibly uplifting um you know and, and i think it means a lot of things to different people i think it, it it you know became an anthem for the gay community i think it became an anthem for some sports team that won something, you know? So it's like, it, it, it can be many people, many things to many people. And, um, and I don't get tired of listening to this song. I just think it's really, really well written. And, um, I always enjoy it when it comes on. So, yeah. 
it's uh, triumphant, right? Yeah. And not yeah. like you said, it's not cheesy. It's so yeah. again sincere, right? Like yeah. it it really is something that's hard to get sick of because it's just so uh, so bright. You mm-hmm. know, it's one of those songs that I think anyone who knows it like and celebrates with it like it's easy to get swept up in the moment of the song yeah, I mean, there, there just... is there is some real hyperbole and theatricality to the lyrics which he kind of owns you know right uh just just you know <laughs> he references the whole human race right you know? uh but uh he 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 has fun with it i i think that that freddie mercury you know on stage he, he liked playing that up a little and if you listen to him being interviewed well he was actually very shy but 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 when he would sort of maybe have a drink in him or start talking i mean he could you know he could both make fun of himself and be like you know i'm the greatest you know hit songwriter ever like but so whatever both yeah every, everyone knows that moment of like triumph somewhere in their life and that that, that feeling of just like you want to blast this song as loud as you can because you you feel like a winner that day um there's well, also as you said dylan like really fun kind of self-aware stuff when he does that like you brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it you can tell like there's too many syllables for this line and like the way he kind of crams those in is so it's just so endearing Uh, and you can tell like he's like you know in with the audience on kind of the fun with that and the other thing is in this in terms of the composition i love the way brian may's guitar lines are almost like a call and response to freddie's vocals the way it's like he finishes singing and then you get or whatever the line is you know, right after Freddie finishes whatever the, the that one line, you know, over and over again, he keeps doing that in different ways. And it almost makes it feel like, you know, yeah, he's the guitar is singing along with him. It's kind of doing its own part. So uh, great choice. Uh, my number four is Don't Stop Me Now. So uh, I don't have anything to add to Don't Stop Me Now. It's uh, it's great. This is my wife's favorite Queen song. So I wasn't going to not have this on the list. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, I'll move along to you and your number three. So my number three hasn't been talked about yet. We are in my the final trifecta, as I like to call them, the trifecta, because these mm-hmm. are these uh, the criteria that I didn't quite mention before because I hadn't had the articulation. But as we talk about it, I've realized these are the song like emotional resonance to music is my favorite thing. Songs that make me cry are my favorite thing because like it's cathartic, it's uh, comforting, and like. These last three songs are the ones that really I connect with on an emotional level, unlike any other music in existence, let alone from Queen. And so number three is The Show Must Go On. My soul is painted like the wings of butterflies. Fairy tales of yesterday will grow but never die.
Um, this is a song that's powerful for a lot of reasons. You know, I don't know if Freddie wrote this, but it definitely feels like he did because this is very much in his later years. You know, he, I think when they filmed this video, he'd already, I don't know if he'd publicly said he was sick, but he was. Um, and like, you can see it in the video if you go back and watch it and like it's clear this song is about wrestling with mortality and what it's like to leave a legacy and it's so like it's so much grander than the relatability and yet somehow that makes it more relatable um i just i love this song so much the drama of it and like not dramatic just drama in that theatrical way that we've been talking about and so yeah this is that's why this is my number three this yeah, song, great... yeah, go ahead, Dylan. Sorry, no, no, it's a great song. Um, to your point about who wrote it, I think really Brian May wrote it, but yeah. but because it was Freddie was really actually, I mean, they knew he had AIDS, but 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 like much, it was really taking a toll on him at that point. And I think that they came up with the idea together, but that Brian May went off and wrote it because Freddie just couldn't focus on it as much. Um, but yeah, he was really, um, um, yeah. Anyway, just just channeling his his friend there you know yeah i was gonna say this pairs with another song uh this is in my honorable mentions it did not make my list um but who wants to live forever um kind of occupies the same emotional space which is you know yes again this who wants to live forever is written for highlander and it's about this you know Mm -hmm. movie that's about these goofy uh beings that you know are a race of immortals and stuff um, but behind all that sci-fi shit, you have the the song that's you know by this band about with their lead singer's mortality is front and center, singing "Who Wants to Live Forever," and you know yeah, the show must go on is just like it's a kind of a harder edged version of the same thing. Um, so it's, it's an amazing pick, great choice, Matt. Yeah, uh, Dylan, you're number three. Uh, so my number three has been covered. It's Radio Gaga. Don't have. Uh, much more to say about that other than to note that um, they really thought highly of the song and they included it in their Live Aid set um, with, you know, other things that, you know, they they opened with Bohemian Rhapsody, but then they went into Radio Gaga, um, you know, they closed with We Are the Champions. I mean, they they only had, you know, got to do a few songs, but they considered this to be worthy of that small group of songs. And um, yeah, I think it's great. I love, yeah. love it. All right. My number three is I want to break free. Um, I don't have much more to add to it. I will just say a small personal anecdote that uh, we got my daughter uh, said, let's try out doing some uh, you know singing lessons. And this was, mm-hmm. I think during COVID. So we had to do it all over zoom with uh, this teacher. I can't remember her name. She was lovely, but my daughter kind of noped out after a while. It just wasn't her thing. She wasn't into it. Uh, and so we had a couple of singing lessons left over. And so I said, screw it, I'll take one of these lessons, why not? And that was the song that she had me work on, which uh, I cannot do uh, right now. We'll go with I Have a Cold uh, for why I can't do it. Um, But, uh, you know, on a good day, I I think I can get close. But it's hard to sustain something that high for that long. Uh, So anyway, um, Matt, you're number two. Number two is talked about already, but it's under pressure. Um, This is a song as someone who's – this may be shocked shocking to our audience but i grew up with anxiety um (laughs) i was picked on a little growing up shocking Mm. i know couldn't tell by looking at me um although you can't see me now where'd you grow up matt so i grew i'm in in new york i grew up in staten island cool um and uh 
yeah, picked on, nerdy kid. But like yeah. a song like Under Pressure for me was like catharsis, like crystallized almost because it's just about overcoming. And it's not like a lot of the songs that are cathartic to me over the years from heavy metal to punk to rock of all kinds tend to be on the darker side right are more negative right as you're being cathartic and working through those feelings but what i love about this song is that it's it's about getting through it's about being there for your friends and it's about being in a negative space and how you get out from under how you run away how you move through and it's it's really an optimistic look at like the worst that we can endure and i really love that about it so uh yeah it's my number two yeah, hearing you say that, this is going to be a weird point of comparison, but it reminds me a little, a little bit of singing in the rain. In that, you know, here's another song that's like the message is, you know, again, kind of overcoming, you know, uh, sunshine through the the rain, right? You know, happiness beyond the sad parts of life, and just the way like Gene Kelly kind of like tap dances between the raindrops. David Bowie and Freddie Mercury in this song, like you've got a much happier sound than the yeah. subject matter would suggest, right? It's like, not like again, you've got like Freddie Mercury scat singing about you know like how much like they will overcome this pressure, and it's like it's like it was nothing. And yeah. I can see why that emotionally connects. Like it's you know it's a great song. Um, it is also my number two. Oh um, yeah, right. And, Let's go. Um, yeah, the things I'll add just in the more the like the trivia geek side of it, you know, for for Matt or for anyone else who, you know, likes the kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of this song was just a happy accident. They uh, and David Bowie were in the same studio in Switzerland at the same time. They did not really have plans to record together. They had recorded one song, or Bowie had sang on a Queen song before and wouldn't let them release his vocals because he didn't think it was good enough. Um, and the truth is that he and Freddie Mercury clashed a little because they just were both very strong-willed people. And they just, they just had. It wasn't about the songwriting. I think it was about the audio. Like they just didn't necessarily agree on stuff. And so that might be why there weren't more of these, even though there was, you know, immense respect. Um, it's you know, people <laughs> recording studio they can get a little control happy. Anyway, um, but but um, but you know, it's a. Um, yeah, it just it's it it is a wonderful happy accident. They were all there together, and just the creative juices were flowing. And I think that maybe part of it, though, was as we've been saying, like sort of that scat singing, and that a lot of it, you know, is based or at least at the beginning is just based on this repeating baseline. And it, I think, it just might have been. I mean, there actually is a version of this that pre-exists um, that you can sort of hear the original genesis of it but then the under pressure version did sort of come up spontaneously and i think some of it's just like john deacon grooving on that baseline baseline and stuff coming out of that um and you know and then they got more serious about the compositions that went along but yeah it's so cathartic when the two of them are singing together at the end you know um uh you, you know just singing about about love you know is love such an old-fashioned thing i mean it's, it's great so n nothing more needs to be said other than uh we're lucky they were in the same place at the same time and that that creative sparks were flying yeah uh and actually i believe if i'm not mistaken both of them were considered for the role of jareth in labyrinth that ultimately went to bowie but i believe mercury mm. freddie mercury was in contention he may have been starting to get a little too sick to do it mm. by then but um yeah, it just shows like they, they do occupy kind of this awesome glam space together. 
so okay, uh, we're we're before we get to our number one, it's time to talk some honorable mentions. So, uh, Matt, I'll turn it over to you. Um, did you give your number two, Doug? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, my number two is somebody to love. Um, mm-hmm. Don't have anything to add about it at this point. You know, it, it's an amazing song. I think we we talked it talked it to death. So, uh, <laughs> your uh, your honorable mention, sir. So my honorable mentions uh, uh, hold the space for some lesser known, le- lesser like the not top hits and some of the top hits. For me, we are the champions. We will rock you. Another one bites the dust. I mentioned Tie Your Mother Down before, like all songs that are hits, well-known. And it's not that they don't deserve to be on my list. It's that while I love them, they're not the top songs for me. But like you can't like We Will Rock You is so simple and yet one of the most iconic rock songs ever made. And like if all interviews and comments are to be believed, they like they had this idea, like, let's make a song that's geared towards call and response. And of course, it was their one of their hugest hits because it was just so it involved the audience. Um, and then two of my others are Stone Cold Crazy, which I actually heard the Metallica version first. Yeah, found out it was a Queen song and went to hear the Queen song. I went, oh, this is much better. As much as I like Metallica, the original is just so erratic, and it's like Metallica didn't change that much. It's an erratic heavy metal song. Before heavy metal was like heavy metal was around, but not really like Metallica's heavy metal. And so, like, yeah. just really a brilliant th- song. And then my last honorable mention is Breakthrough. Um, Breakthrough is just a fun ditty. Um, I found it as I got older. I really just like it's about, you know, connecting and really finding people and uh, is a song that I really like, uh, but just couldn't quite crack the top 10. Dylan, your honorable mentions. Mine are, I have five, and uh, two are by Brian. Um, Flash, the theme. I, sure. I, it's, it's not enough of a full song for me to, for, to make my list, but I, I love what of the song exists. It's mostly just one section with a little bit of a B section. Love that song. And you can't, of course, ignore its place in cinema history in Blades of Glory. <laughs> that's true. That that's true. It, it, it yeah, probably a better received movie was the one. That, I don't know which was better received, but it, anyway, yeah. Um, and another Brian Hammer to Fall. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Great, great rocker. Um, um, I have two John songs. Um, another one bites the dust. We've talked about that. That he, I think he sort of admitted that he was going for the ultimate disco funk baseline, which is um, Good Times by Chic. You know, but yeah. Boom, but is 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 based on the 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 good times thing, which is uh, most people know it from uh, rappers delight. But anyway, um, like the baseline of seventies disco funk, and so it's an homage to that, and it's great. Uh, also, you're my best friend, which we talked about. It's actually a more musically complex song than people realize. I know this because I learned it for a wedding, and I was like, oh, there's you know, there's more to this. Um. Um, that's a John song. And then, uh, I actually don't have a Freddie song under my honorable mentions because, um, I just think he's, maybe that's just how I feel about him. He's, 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 he doesn't get honorable mentions. He's the number one, but, um, but, uh, but then, um, but the last one is a Roger song and it's, these are the days of our lives. And this, for me, uh, this does make me tear up a little because it's the last, um, it's the last single. It's the last time that Freddie Mercury officially appeared on camera is making the video for, for this. Um, and he was 
quite sick and you can see how gaunt he is and he's sort of wearing loose clothing so that you can't even fully see it um it's also a little factoid about that video um brian may isn't actually he wasn't on set when they were filming it he was away but they felt that they had to film it because freddie was really doing so poorly so they had to do it right away so brian may's in the video but if you actually look carefully he's always shot separately from the other ones uh they they'd shot him on a different day because they just felt you know freddie can do it right now and roger and john are here let's just do it um and uh you know it's it's not their best song but 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 it is there's something about it and just the final the final recorded words from freddie you hear him you know uh and he sort of blows a kiss at the end of the video it's very powerful to me so Great my mentions. Yeah. Uh, so my memorable mentions are uh, I have Killer Queen in there. Sure. Um, I put Fat Bottom Girls and Bicycle Race in my honorable mentions because I felt like I I wanted to pick one or the other, but I couldn't pick both, and so I just they both got shunted into the honorable mentions. But all time great songs. Uh, and then uh, One Vision and Who Wants to Live Forever, both from that uh, It's Kind of Magic album, uh, and Hammer to Fall. Those those are the ones I had just you know hanging around like going like man i love these songs but i can't can't quite put them above the other ones i picked so with that matt and dylan let's go to our number ones so matt you're up first so my number one we've talked about a bit i'll talk about a bit more but it's somebody to love somebody to love find me 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 talking about powerful personal emotional songs and also something that the listeners may not know about me but if you know me at all you know i'm a hopeless romantic Mm -hmm. um i love being schmaltzy and and lovey-dovey and like somebody to love is just this this want this this um deep need to just be cared for and to care for someone it's just so personal and so powerful and uh is a go-to for me at karaoke and just something that like talking about it, I'm welling up. Like it's, 
one of their most beautiful songs and it's a it because it's so focused right it's so much just the person i i want you know somebody for me to love the whole breakdown in the middle we didn't even talk about it but like the build up and the the staccato like the the escalating vocals and everything it's just it's masterfully crafted and uh was an easy pick for my number one the dynamics of that song are so cool like you get to that moment where he hits that high note and just like he lets that just kind of soar all the musician all the other instruments just drop away and then we get into the like find me somebody and they let that kind of bubble up the drama of something like that like is not something i think most bands would think of you would think of like all right we get to this crescendo moment and then we're going to go back into the chorus one more time or something but the the that kind of thing is uniquely queen that level of like you know we're gonna again treat this like it's an opera you know or, or a musical or something like nobody does this stuff like they do and that's setting aside all the emotional components of the song that you already talked about yep dylan you're number one um this is probably not going to be a big surprise but uh my number one was uh, none other than Brighton Rock. No, I'm just kidding. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is Bohemian Rhapsody. Me um, Say now, yeah, yeah, um, and the reason why we, I said you said earlier, Doug, what were the the criteria for you, and and you know, one is like importance and being different from everything else, and it really there was nothing like it before, there was nothing like it since, and that's a huge one for me. If I was just putting on any Queen song, it might not be this, to be honest. Like I really would probably put on Radio Gaga above this just for, or save me, but but um or Seven Seas of Right. But but this song is so damn important that it's just to me and you know, that's why it's gotta be number one for me. The things I'll add um beyond that, number one, um I think it's really cool that there are only three people singing on this song. Yeah. Um it is only Freddie, Brian, and Roger, and they did, John, who could sing, didn't even sing on it. Um, but it's just the three of them, and they overdubbed each themselves so many millions of of times, and and um, 
uh, you know, famously like the, 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 you know, the magnetic tape they were recording on seemed to become translucent because they had so many tracks and they were worried about like ruining the tape and, and all their takes. So anyway, that's, that's something that's really cool. Um, and just, you know, the, the disparate sections of this song are, are so cool. You know, they're sort of could say there's four sections with the, with the intro, then the, 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 you know, the mama part, which Freddie called the cowboy part, um, and then the opera and then the hard rocking part. And then it goes back to sort of a reprise of the, of the opening. This song to me is something that only a young person could have written. And that is because there's something about it that is just, there's no inhibition. He's just doing stuff, throwing stuff out there that, that I think as you get older, your brain calcifies and you and you 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 put limits on yourself. And I just think that he just sort of, even though I know from reading about it, like the song, the, the sections were written separately. It wasn't all just one stream of consciousness, but he kind of knew he would mash them together. Um, but there's just something about almost the innocence of just like, I'm just going to try this, you know, and, 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 and there is some pastiche elements to it. Like I said, he called like the mom and just killed the man. He called it the cowboy section, you know, the, the opera thing. He's kind of winking at opera and like, he's doing a parody, like, you know, of opera, whatever. Um, and it, but it, 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 it totally works. And I just think that, you know, listen to the music that they did later. It's not you know, I mean, we've named a bunch of '80s Queen songs that we like, but it wasn't they they aren't as daring as 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 this. And I think it comes from being, you know, almost like young and stupid yet brilliant at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's like if you're as brilliant as Freddie Mercury and yet you're as as dumb, it's like yeah, why not? You know, and I don't mean stupid in a pejorative way. I just mean in like I don't have the in- inhibition to tell me otherwise. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It- Oh, go ahead, Doug. I was going to say, that putting this as my number one, kind of the, the basic logic of this was just like, well, if I was going to show somebody one Queen song, what am I going to show them? It's going to be this one every time. And like you said, Dylan, like you've got all these different parts put together expertly. You do have this like the balls on this guy to write this thing, um, just to have these kinds of parts in it to say, yeah, we're going to do an opera because – they weren't, I mean, they were on their way up. They weren't the biggest rock band in the world yet to, to just say, yeah, you know, to, to go into some record producer's office and say, look what we made. Um, you can imagine, and I know they try to dramatize this in the movie of the same name, but like you, you, you have to know that like the studio people were all like, you got to be kidding me with this. This song is nine minutes long and it's, you know, got opera in the middle of it. No one's going to play this on FM radio. And it was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to be unlike anything you anyone has ever heard before. And it, it just works from beginning to end. It's just a masterpiece. So, uh, Matt, you were going to say, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, it's one of those songs that sticks with you once you've heard it. And, like, to me, my favorite, it's funny I use those words, my favorite moment in the whole song is, that, is the final to me at the end, that, like, mm-hmm. faint like just final moment, like the song was over, but not for Freddie. Freddie needed that last moment, right, mm-hmm. to really finalize it. Also, like the Arabic featured in this, right? Like I, I for a very long time just thought Freddie Mercury was white. I just I didn't know, right? And like if you don't look into it, like very much, just you can look at him and go, oh, it's just a British guy. But there's so much more to him, and like. Once I the first time I ever looked up the lyrics and saw the the Arabic words, I was like, "Oh, 
this that's not english what is that and like looked up looked into it and then looked into his past and like his his birth name and all of this farouk and all like all of the stuff that like it was like i got to relearn like re-get to know this incredible legend just through this thing and like this is him showing some of his heritage in his music right because for the most part from what i can recall you don't see a ton of his heritage and his music, you know, and this is kind of a really cool, like, snapshot. Also probably why it's considered one of the perfect Queen songs because it really does, like, show, like, who these people are in a very weird way, you know? Like, and the the fact that it's just kind of lyrically kind of nonsense, but also not, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's equal parts lyrical nonsense and not lyrical nonsense. And, like, there is a narrative. There is a story and it's just it's 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 unbeatable when it comes to that when you look at it as a rock piece you know as a as a whole piece for sure yeah he, he freddie mercury did, he actually yeah as you say like his background is is very interesting and, and he actually he was a zoroastrian his entire life and his his uh funeral was a zoroastrian funeral so it just it didn't come out in his music but he actually never ditched that side of him despite right. despite Chenyu's name obviously right but, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really it's it's fascinating and uh it, it the only reason it's my not my number one is because again the angle i came at the list for but you're both absolutely right like if if people if someone came up to you and said why should i care about queen what did they do that's so special there's nothing more unique and incredibly masterfully crafted than this song 100 mm -hmm. percent. yeah well we've we've come to the end and you know I, these guys really are immortal um, we've kind of joked about Highlanders a bit, but I mean, they are, this band is immortal. Um, they, they will be remembered, I think forever, uh, in the way that so many other bands, you know, will, will be a footnote in musical history. Um, but Matt, why do you think it is that people still just keep coming back to Queen, you know, now how many years since they've been got 30 years since, since, uh, the end? Pretty died. I mean, I mean, part of it is even. After the fact, like one of my greatest regrets is I didn't see Queen when they toured with Adam Lambert because I was Freddie. To me, Freddie Mercury is the greatest artist to have ever lived. Whether you agree or not, that's my perspective. And huh, like an idiot, along with a lot of other things in my early life, I raged against it. Right. Adam Lambert. Who's this? I've since watched the Adam Lambert performances and he's incredible. And like, I really regret not seeing the band when they toured. Right. And so like the fact that they continued to work and they continued to try and at least keep Freddie's legend alive by touring with other singers and still playing the songs helped a lot. But I think Freddie Mercury, there will never, ever, ever be a singer like Freddie Mercury. People will try and come close. People will be in the spirit of, you know, you mentioned the song Knights of Cydonia earlier, which is absolutely, you know, Muse is absolutely influenced by Queen. There's no denying it. But it's still not Queen. It's still not Freddie Mercury. And that's not a dig at them. I love Muse quite a lot. But like, I just, I think the staying power is the incredible, you know, artistry of the entire band. But for sure, the uniqueness that was Freddie Mercury as a singer and a performer is uh, unparalleled. And then you look at the rest of the band, too. I mean, I don't think there will ever be a guitarist quite as talented as Brian May. Like, there are other guitarists and other rock bands that are tend to be pushed up above him. But if you really listen to the work that he does, the writing he's done, like, there is no other rock star like Brian May and like the whole band. I think they are all so uniquely talented for what they did with this band. And it was like, it's just, it's, it's a lightning in a bottle band. And I think that's the staying powers that you can't even quite 
explain why they're so perfect. They just are. They just they just exist. Matt, I got good news. Queen yeah. and Adam Lambert, not only are they still touring, they are coming to New York in a month. Oh my god. You can oh, see them at MSG. I should I should I just, see I just get looked tickets. up their dates. That's awesome. I wasn't sure if they were still touring. I know they October had taken a break. October 12th and 13th at MSG. Twelfth uh, is my birthday, so that would be. Well, really it might, might might be meant to be. Might be meant to be, but uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I my greatest regret is never getting to see Freddie Mercury live, right? Oh, like yeah. my my like, I mean, when he passed, like I was, I don't know, six, so like it would have never happened. But you know, and he wasn't touring for so many years even before he had passed. But like that's my greatest like. Whenever the question like, oh, if you could see anyone alive, Freddie Mercury without a like solo with the band doesn't matter. Like that's absolutely like my number one. I recommend anyone listening to check out the concert video. It's called Queen Rock Montreal. It's like Montreal and Live Aid is at the end, but but it's their full concert in Montreal. I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the exact year. It's early eighties, I think. But um, just talk about, yeah, it's just it's a combo of. For just just four of of the greats ever, and then led by yeah, in my opinion, the the greatest rock and roll frontman um, of all time. Um, and you know, it's amazing that just four people can make these sounds on on stage, and and they're all they're all so good. But you know, Freddie most of all. So. Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about the theatricality as being kind of the the secret to you know what makes Queen tick, and it is in a large. I mean, that is something very unique that they do better than most other bands do. Um, but I think it's the sincerity that goes with that that has kind of given them this, you know, legend status that makes it work because there have been plenty of bands that have come along and tried to duplicate that theatricality to greater and lesser degrees of success. But no one's ever really quite done, had the authenticity to make it work. So like an example comes to mind of like, Uh, The Darkness, I believe in a thing called love, right? So it's that song is basically a joke, you know, delivered with a voice that's not terribly dissimilar from Freddie Mercury's, right? And that guy who, the lead singer of The Darkness, I believe before they hit it big with that song, his biggest thing before that was doing a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody and having people go like, wow, I can sing pretty well. Uh, He's not Freddie Mercury, but hey, you know, for the diet version, that's not bad. And you look at a lot of the songs we've picked have been the ones that, you know, are the ones that have that emotional component, like Under Pressure or Somebody to Love or I Want to Break Free. Like these songs that are like, yeah, those songs are not about being jokey or, um, you know, just solely theatrical for the sake of being weird. Um, We have Frank Zappa for that shit. Um, Queen does both and it's, it's that unique combination of both and this, you know, as you you know, the voice box uh, and the talent of this guy that just, you know, he feels like a space alien, not because he is a weirdo, but because it's just like, you can't believe how much talent is packed into one human being. Uh, you know, as you said, Matt, like we'll, we'll never, we may never see the like of this again. Yeah. No, not Freddie Mercury. I mean, no, Adam sure. Lambert's great. I, I'm very impressed with him. He's not Freddie Mercury. No. 
by no means. Also, just a little coda. Uh, the t- tickets are nine hundred bucks a piece, so I will not be seeing Queen and Adam Lambert because that's a lot of money for <laughs> one concert ticket. Uh, wow! As much wow. as I want to see him, wow. uh, not not going to happen. But but you know, maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> Yikes. Maybe you can stand out in front of the garden, like you know, as people are walking in and get them for six hundred. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to pretend you're a roadie and sneak in. What's the worst that could happen? Right. Sure. It'll be a story. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, uh, thank you so much for for coming on and doing this. What a, what a delight to revisit Queen. Uh, just one of my all time favorite bands, and and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure anyone listening to this, I, I can't imagine there's anyone out there who dislikes Queen, um, and so just a, a delight to go back through their catalog. So, uh, thank you both, um, Matt. If people want to find your stuff, where do they find it? Uh, so the best place to go is djstormageddon.com. Uh, that's where you'll find all my podcasts, my merch store, uh, my Kofi, all of that good stuff. Um, on social media, uh, unfortunately, uh, Elon Musk and the Turf Hammer took out my account when I defended trans people. Uh, so you can follow my video game podcast at Funny Games Pod. That's where I tend to do most of my shit posting these days. Uh, otherwise, I'm on Blue Sky. That's where I'm most active these days. And Instagram, uh, DJ underscore Storm again on instagram just dj stormageddon on blue sky because nothing is ever easy uh and yeah i would love for you to go check out my podcast uh doug has guested on screen snark my tv and movie pod uh although we are not currently talking about tv and movies because there's a strike going on and we're supporting in solidarity um and has also done an episode of side quest for fun and games uh, about a really cool robin hood game that i had never heard of so uh that was really fun to have as well so definitely go check all that stuff out Thanks. Uh, and Dylan, where can people find you? Um, well, you can just generally about me. If you just go to DylanRis.com, D-Y-L-A-N-R-I-S.com, you can find stuff about me. But also, if you want to know about my band, uh, the play some Queen songs, The Moon Units, uh, TheMoonUnits.com. Um, and we know we play a number of Queen songs, including literally Bohemian Rhapsody, but also Under Pressure, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. What else do we know? Uh, you know what that one um, that we just said. Don't stop me now. There's a, there's a number. So if you want if you want us to play your wedding corporate event or 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 sing with us doing live band karaoke, you can find us. But we're based in L.A. Anyway, and there you go. And so if you uh, if you want to send us feedback, uh, of course uh, you can find us at uh, the Twitter graveyard at Nostalgium Pod. Uh, we are also uh, Nostalgium Arcanum on. Uh, Instagram and threads and then uh, we're Nostalgian Pod on Blue Sky um, so you can follow us at any of those places but I would put Instagram first because that's where I try to put bonus stuff uh, when I can so if you have thoughts on our recent episodes which include uh, let's see if I'm doing this right in my head because I'm out of order um, Queen uh, we just did one on Uncharted uh, before that Calvin and Hobbes coming up next is It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown because it's mm. Halloween time so I'm super excited for you to hear that And after that, Resident Evil 4, the original one, not the remake from this year. So uh, as we get deeper and deeper into Halloween territory. So um, be on the lookout for those. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And um, once again, Matt, Dylan, thank you for coming on and uh, reminiscing about Queen. This is great. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Great, great chat. All right. So until next time, that is one more entry of the Snow Jump Arcana. One bone, one true